A Café con Emoción. My name is Rebecca Castellam. My name is Gina Villarraga. I'm Xiomara Romero. And I'm Paloma Vargas. We are a group of mental health providers creating a space to magnify the voices of nuestra gente, the Latinx community in Orange County, California, highlighting social, emotional, political, and economic barriers while bridging the gap of access to holistic approaches in mental health. Café con Emoción as a public service is neither legal or mental health service or advice. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation. Guests on the podcast have the right to express their own individual views in Café con Emoción, and members do not imply endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Welcome to Café con Emoción. My, my name is Paloma, and today we're talking about trauma politics, and how COVID-19 has taken a toll in everyone's mental health. As we continue our discussion about political climate, we would like to touch bases with the problem of socioeconomic stress, trauma, racism in Orange County, immigration reforms, and natural disasters during the pandemic. Thank you, everybody, for, for being here. And I'm excited to talk about this topic because um, I think on the episode before us, we had Gustavo Arellano, who talked about the local politics and, and some history about Orange County. And, you know, that that recording was done a couple of months ago, I think in the beginning of 2020. So it was it was before a lot of stuff had happened. And we decided that we kind of needed a, a, a re, an update, to, a follow up from that podcast episode to to what's happening now um, in in early 2021. Right. And so I just wanted to recap a little bit about what has what happened last year. And um, I'm just going to go month by month because literally it's it's almost like a month by month of something that happened, you know, in 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 the U.S. So in January of 2020, uh, Kobe Bryant dies in his tragic death. And I think that really hit the nation hard. And especially I think because he lived in Orange County and had lived here for so long, it kind of hit us in Orange County mm -hmm. kind of hard. In February, it was the impeachment and of Donald Trump, and the, he was acquitted for the first time. In March, it was the closure of everything in the announcement of the pandemic. It was already kind of happening, but I think March was really like, hey, this pandemic is really here. We're closing everything down. I remember picking up, I think it was like March 13th, which is almost a year ago, right? I remember that Friday picking up my, my sons from school and just getting like, all, all the school supplies ever made, you know, and, and just putting them into my car, my son carrying his, his backpack full of books and, and everybody kind of like, just in awe of, of what was going on. And so, so that that was almost a year ago. Um, in April, we saw a lot of the protests of, you know, this public health issue become a political issue with wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, people feeling like their liberties were taken away, whatever side you believed on this, it really, you really begin to see the separation of, of people, I think, you know, of, of our, for the first time in probably a really long time, you know, where like political views really started to, to be seen and, and separate, kind of like a, a boiling pot. In May, obviously, it was police brutality and um, George Floyd's death by, by police officers and, and really the, the push of uh, Black Lives Matter's movement. Um, in June, it was the riots. The protests and and just the the standing up of the movement of Black Lives Matter and 
and other people of color um, across the, the nation and even across the world. I mean, I think there was so many other other nations, you know, really taking a stand too. In August, we had like in Louisiana, there was terrible hurricanes. And then just here locally, we had those really big fires. I, I'm not, I don't even remember how many fires there were, but like half of Irvine was evacuated and taken out. So that was in August. In September, Ruth Ginsburg died. And what that meant for our Supreme Court and what that meant for women's equal rights. In November, Biden and Harris win the election and, and Trump really begins with um, his discussions, his his calling of, you know, election fraud and and what he thought was was not right. In December, we start to see the vaccines and and kind of feel a little little bit of hope, but that hasn't been a, a quick rollout, right? That I mean we've everybody's still kind of waiting. Not much has changed. In in January, early January, we have the Capitol siege. Two weeks, I think it was two weeks before the ceremony of the new presidency. And then just recently this month, it's Trump Trump's impeachment and he was acquitted again. So that's a lot. That's a lot that's happened in in this year. And I just kind of made a straight run through. But I, you know, I, I say that kind of like if this happened and this happened and this happened and and because it was a lot. It was a heavy year, a heavier year than anything. And and uh, and just about like so political. Right. I think it's it was so political of a year and everything just seems so heavy all the time, plus the stress of the pandemic and and our daily life stress. So I know we've talked about a lot of what that does. And so, you know, bringing that up to our mental health and how we've, how we coped with it. You know, I don't know who wants to jump in on that. Thank you, Gina. When you were talking about um, George Floyd, everything that came to mind that pretty much wrapped everything around what you just said is the words, I can't breathe. Mm. And, you know, that really, um, that, that stay with me when you were sharing, you know, the whole month to month um, events pretty much wraps everything into political, everything that's political, everything that's immigration, everything that's culture and slavery, everything that those words were pr pretty powerful. And I think that's why both cultures, um, La Cultura Latina, African-Americans or Black uh, people, they came all together in one. So I, I think that's pretty pretty much wraps everything what you said like for me yeah yeah I think like the the I think for for Latinos you know we we have such a history of 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 that oh but solos negros or the, you know black people and then us but but really I think being recognized as you know black indigenous people of color like that unity that that you're saying you know it's like this is this is yes we all have to work together here we all have to support each other we all have to understand that we are we are fighting for the same rights, you know, and we might all have the legal right, right? Like legally, the law says everyone should be treated equal, but there's the law and then there's what actually happens, you know, and that's unfortunate, but it is true. But there's a difference of equality and equity. Yeah, there is. There is. And I think that really hit home this past year. Just kind of trauma in so many different levels, right? So because we've experienced um, you know, all these things month after month, you know, now it's been a year over a year, right, of, of just kind of the impact of every month feeling heavier. Um, for a while, you know, people were saying, yes, 2020 is over, like it was almost kind of magically all disappear in a sense. But 
that was I just saw it as people's needs to really have um, a relief or kind of back to what you were saying, Palomo, just to, you know, be able to breathe, to be able to take a break or have almost like a that fresh new start. And unfortunately, you know, we, we don't get that with just a new year. Um, but back to kind of the racial trauma, trauma in, in so many different levels, you know, you talked about the coping of this, um, whether it was, uh, you know, some people almost having just a lot of more anxiety, we, you know, anxiety, and maybe even people who deal with anxiety on day to day, responding even differently, having a little bit more tools than people that maybe hadn't experienced anxiety before. So the impacts of mental health, you know, around depression, anxiety, trauma responses, racial trauma, seeing more of social anxiety, you know, kind of resurface with our children um, and adults, older adults, especially. So just what a toll this has really taken on our physical health, but also our, you know, mental, emotional well-being. And, and I, I just want to, I'm going to read um, what psychological trauma is just you know, because there may be people out there that's like trauma, what's, you know, what what is trauma, right? Like we've all experienced where people are like, I haven't, haven't been in trauma. So this is, I just Googled it real quick, right? Um, psychological trauma. Psychological trauma is the damage to a person's mind as a result of one or more distressing events. So the damage to a person's mind, okay, not just physical, but somebody's mind as a result of one or more distressing events. We had a shitload. Right? Like, we had a shitload. All of us, society of distressing events causing overwhelming amounts of stress that exceed the person's ability to cope or integrate to emotions involved, eventually leading to serious long term negative consequences. Right? Yeah. And I just wanted to add kind of, you know, what is racial trauma for those that don't know what that is? Black Americans are at higher risks of experiencing racial trauma, as well as other subgroups. So what racial trauma is, is the effects of racial discrimination on the mental and physical well-being. Although racial trauma is not recognized in the DSM-5, many of those symptoms that are very similar to PTSD. Example for myself, I would walk down my neighborhood, I just felt like I don't feel okay. I just did not feel safe, you know, and that's real. I mean, I, you know, and, and, and that, that I'm, I'm saying that because I never felt that before here. Prior to last year, I have never felt that in here. You know, I, I, I've gone to places and been the only Latina, you know, I've gone to many places being the only Latina, but it's, it's not my home. It's not my, where I'm rooted. So to be in my neighborhood and walk around and feel like, uh, what does that neighbor think? And, oh, you know, that that's a Trump flag, man. I remember one of my neighbors put up a Trump flag and I was like, yeah, now I don't like you anymore. I mean, really, that's how it was. Like, I don't feel comfortable talking to you anymore yeah. because it brought up so much stuff for me at that time. And I think you're bringing up a good point of um, that unsafetiness at another level because, you know, some people do experience that unsafety. Uh, unfortunately, every single day, right? Ah. But this is this is at a different level. I think you're describing of something that maybe wasn't felt every single day, but 
all of a sudden it was it was because it triggered though that's what i'm saying like it triggered those events that everything that happened last summer really triggered my my stuff that i thought i had dealt with Mm -hmm. you know and now I, i walk through places that i felt fine before and now i feel it again Nobody said anything to me yet. Nobody's done anything, but it, it brings that up, you know? And I, I, I don't think I'm the only one. I don't, you know, I, I don't think, mm-hmm. and, but, and, and yes, I think there's people who have had that racism that's like in your face, mm-hmm. you know, in your face racism. Yes. Um, I've had like that low grade racism, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's like, well, why do I feel so uncomfortable here? But it's still racism. So it feels like we, we took a step back yeah. during those four years. I think uh, your experience that you just shared right now, Gina, reminds me of something funny that happened to me a couple months back. And thinking about it, um, I feel like it really sums up the year really well for me. So I was coming out of Sprouts in a predominantly white area, okay? And I'm wearing... Um, I'm wearing this, uh, like a black t-shirt and it has a, a Bernie Sanders sticker. Right. And, um, I'm also, I'm, I'm, I was wearing double mask because I was really sick. So I was like, okay, I'm wearing double mask and I have a Bernie Sanders stickers sticker. And I'm, I'm walking out of sprouts and this older, um, white lady passes by me and she gives me a, what I felt was a really mean look. But then I asked myself, I'm like, but why is it? Cause I'm Brown. Is it my Bernie Sanders sticker? Is it because I'm wearing a mask and maybe she's an anti-masker? Or is it these funny looking Yeezy slides I have on? I, <laughs> but I feel it was like those. That's, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but I feel like that sums up my year, right? Like we have the, the not feeling comfortable expressing my political views and the anti-maskers, the polarization of the, of the mask movement, right? Um, and then just my color in general when I'm in a predominantly white area. But it was just so many things at once that I was like, I don't even, I don't know. I'm like, well, I don't know what she was looking at me. Or she could have just been having a bad day. But I was aware that I had all those things going on too. But it's it's like, when did that happen that I had to feel so right. like right. aware Hyper of that? Aware Hyper of that. aware of that. When I, when I feel like, where I just, I just, I've worked so hard to not, to, to be able to move past that, you know, right. and that trauma exists. To me, that's like, that's a distressing negative event that's happened. You know, a lot of people think racism still doesn't exist, but it still does. Right. Yeah. And, right. you know, along the lines of the unspoken racism, you know, we've seen here in Orange County, uh, just the testing disparities, maybe monolingual just not having access to, you know, that information, where are the testing sites, um, uninsured, where, you know, where can you go? So just that lack of information to our community, you know, we've had that, that whole discrepancy, um, of the testing sites. And then now we're faced with last February is the first site that opened in some of our, you know, Latino communities in Orange County. Yeah. Cause when you think about it, if, if the highest numbers of of COVID are in Santana, right? That's that's one of the highest, Santana, Anaheim. Why wouldn't you put a vaccination site there first? The places that don't have a lot of money, that doesn't have a lot of political pool, I should say. Right. right? I agree, then, especially because, you know, in Santana is a working class community and that adds to the socioeconomic stress 
in the families, trying to support and trying to bring food to the table and trying to pay rent and not being able to get these health services. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think I think for so many of our families, it's 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 that in addition to you know the <laughs> the list I did earlier, plus like you're saying, Paloma, the the stress, the working class stress, right? And then the overcrowded in households, right? Mm-hmm. We have we don't have just one generation in our homes. We have, mm-hmm. you know, three generations usually in our homes. And then having to care for them all in one home. And what that means. As somebody gets sick, everybody gets sick, right? right. There's no stopping that. Maybe we can talk just a little bit about what does trauma look like? What what feelings it has, like the you know, the DSM diagnosis and the DSM uh, criteria, just so that, you know, some of the people in our community can can kind of hear those words, maybe. Maybe they're hearing it for the first time. Maybe they already know it. Sure. Some of the symptoms of PTSD include reminders of past traumatic events, nightmares, vivid memories or flashbacks, feeling emotionally cut off from others, Um, Maybe it's feeling numb or loss of interest, irritable, having anger outbursts, uh, difficulty sleeping, um, feeling jumpy, and uh, having a startled response. Uh, You can have um, these experiences um, after a traumatic event. And not everybody develops PTSD after a traumatic event. So it's important to keep that in mind. Um, increase in feelings of uncertainty um, that the pandemic has brought up for many people can re-trigger past traumatic events. So just something to keep in mind where, um, you know, it's not that you're developing maybe some of these symptoms, um, but just some some of the past trauma that you have experienced could be re-triggered due to this feeling of uncertainty. I did a, I did a presentation a couple of weeks ago, talking about COVID and stress. And, you know, there were so many questions about like, is this normal? Is this a normal reaction? And it's like, yeah, this is a normal reaction. This is trauma is a normal reaction to stress overload. PTSD is is the aftermath of that effect, you know, not that everybody's suffering from PTSD, because that's, that's a different level. But we did we have been experiencing a traumatic event, all of us at some point, in addition to the grief and loss, you know, the grief and loss of jobs, the grief and loss of our daily function. Um, People, our loved ones, the fear, the fear fear of losing our loved ones, you know, so many, you know, people who have, who have gotten really sick, who have passed away because of COVID, especially Mm -hmm. our, our older generation Latinos, right? Like the, the, the los abuelos, like, I know so many people that have lost have lost family members. So it is it is real. It is real what you're feeling and experiencing and why you can't just like get up and jump out of bed and be like, I'm going to seize the day. It's because of all of this. You know, and it's not because you're you're weak. It's because you're trying to cope with this. We have to kind of normalize that a lot because a lot of people feel like, well, I should just get up and go like, I remember seeing on Instagram a lot of like, you know, if not so much now, but in the early months of the pandemic, it was like, you got to take this opportunity of being at home and, you know, 
make it the best ever and 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 okay cool yes but like people are learning how to bake cook (laughs) making classes and some of us can barely roll out of bed and me included in that (laughs) yes yes Yes. so you know staying away from instagram may be helpful like i know i had to i had to close my social media Mm -hmm. i told clients to close their social media because it was just too much yeah i mean and, you know, back to the trauma response, that is also the over-functioning, right? The, um, you know, I'm going to learn how to make the best, you know, I'm going to bake every single day, or I'm going to, um, you know, work 40, I can work a lot more from home. So I'm going to work 45 plus hours, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that can also be seen as a trauma response, right? The overdoing to kind of numb out that reality, right? Yeah. If the mind yeah, is kept so busy. <laughs> but I was like, like, oh, what that's about... what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was gonna say, what, what about when <laughs> I was gonna say, what about when we cook everything when we work 40 hours? Like, what do we do after? Right? That's when when all the thoughts and everything comes like sinks in and reality comes yes. to our lives like how do we handle that yes yeah. and that's how we're seeing a lot more sleep issues right because a lot of totally. people are trying to keep busy block out and then at night when you finally have that time to rest um, everything maybe starts resurfacing right so you're you we're seeing a lot of um, you know insomnia or just overall sleep difficulties what do we do? How do we take care of ourselves after Who knows? everything's done? I, I'm curious. How do you take care of yourself? <laughs> well, I was just going to say that. I'm not too sure. I do let myself feel though. I just let myself feel. I, yeah. Like if I'm feeling scared, I, I feel scared and maybe seek out my support system and, and talk talk it out. You know, I feel, I feel scared. Um, I, I think we're all discovering how do we silence the noise, which is, I, I think that's what you're saying, right? Paloma, like how do we yes. silence the noise? Different cup of tea for different people, how we silence it. But I think just sitting with whatever you're feeling and acknowledging that you're feeling that is a step in the right direction. A lot of us don't know that we're having that trauma response. You know, that we just joked about it. Or we're like, oh, is that what I've been feeling? Yeah, a lot of us don't know. And you can ask someone and they'll say, I'm feeling fine. Okay. Well, I have a lot of free time, but I'm okay. And it's like, well, are you really? Can we take a look at, you know, your behaviors and your thoughts? It's hard to shut it off. It's hard to shut off the overproduction. So, you know, I've been reading a lot of articles that just like the the extra pressure on women, you know, right Mm -hmm. now, like, you know, you're having to do the homeschool, you're having to um, cook the meals, you're having to clean the house, you're having to also work your job. And it's all under the same room, all happening at the same time. And just like then when, when it's like when you try to turn that off and relax, it, it like the body doesn't know how to do that, because it's on that high adrenaline rush of just do, 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 do. And so you, you can't. You just have, that's when you binge watch, you know, a bunch of Netflix and that's when you like eat all that chocolate cake you have in your fridge and, you know, you go on the gambling site and, you know, and so on and so on, <laughs> or you go on, on Amazon prime and you just start buying stuff, right. If, if you right. can, and, or you get, start getting into fights and everybody in the house is stressed, right. And everybody in the house is up to here with each other and, Maybe you're the only one working and your spouse isn't and and then you're having conflicts, right? Because this has also been 
a year of the most, you know, domestic violence is up, child abuse is up, divorces, you know, it's it's rising even more. Substance use. Substance use, right? Because everybody is like here. Um, I got a lot of calls this past month for couples therapy, a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think that's a coincidence, you know? I think it's some of the effects of last year. Mm-hmm. And we con- we're continuing, guys. We're not done yet. I think on the note of self-care also, um, if I could just go back really quick and talk about our exposure to media and the news mm-hmm. and how we can take care of ourselves when it comes to that. And I think when we were talking about how sometimes we're not aware that we're having a trauma response. And I think, I think it's important to take a look at what type of news we're watching. What are we watching? How often are we watching this and what effects is it having on our mental health, on our physical health, um, and also being mindful of the polarization that's presented in the media that you're watching, because it, it can cause a lot of stress, right? If we're, you know, Gina, when you started the episode, you were listing off all the things that happened this year. And I thought, man, she's talking fast, but I realized, no, she's getting through all the things that happened in the last year, right? It's not a matter of her, you know, maybe I was talking a little fast. No, you weren't, weren't. but there was just so many things to cover. Right. And so I can just imagine a full year and two months of that. And then just remembering what the news looks like every single day and talking Mm. about how Latino households, we were, I mean, I was raised on Primer Impacto. Okay. (laughs) That's a good one. Primer Impacto, right? Watching the news, Mm -hmm. it's background noise. The news is on, right? Um, And so that all of that has an effect on, on our body. And one of the research articles that I read was from Stanford University. And they, they did a really interesting study. They did the study on the effects of polarization. That's a result of the media. And what's so polarization? Polarization is like the, it's the categorization, the severe categorization of, of diff, how can I say, of like compartmentalizing things, but super compartmentalizing them. So, you know, let's just say, for example, the masking, um, the anti-maskers versus the maskers, right? That's an example of polarization, right? So Stanford University did um, an article and they wanted to see what were the effects of reading and listening to partisan news. So news that has um, heavy language, either it's very Um, liberal or very conservative language and what that does to us as a society. And they, they concluded that um, watching this type of news. So like, I don't want to categorize, but watching super conservative news versus super liberal news causes a lot of antagonistic discussions on social media. And so people in the, in the report started talking about how they let go of family members. They let go of family members over masking, over over Trump, over uh, the Black Lives Matter protests, right? When we're liberal and we're seeing a a family member just talk about the other side of it, the other polarized side of it, it causes fights. And so in addition to all the stress that's happening to COVID, we're also talking about the polarization of our, like between us as society through our values and the politics that are happening right now. And um, it's the, re- the research that Stanford conducted found that it has caused a huge strain on family and support system, which is increased stress and anxiety. 
less support system, more anxiety. So ask yourself when you're reading a family member's post that maybe is the complete, you know, opposite of you, take a moment to breathe and then ask yourself, I wonder what kind of news they watched. <laughs> um, and then make that decision for yourself. I know I'm being super nice, but like, <laughs> like realistically, Rebecca, I don't know if I would do that, but you want to take a deep breath <laughs> and um, just be mindful, be mindful of like, I wonder what type of news they watch that they're saying this yeah I personally practice grace with everyone you know because you don't know they don't know where we're coming from as as immigrants as undocumented people and we don't know where where they stand being born in in the United States right having that difference so I do when that happens I do practice a lot of grace and like Rebecca said I I breathe breathe in, breathe out, and, you know, try to understand the other person, even though they don't, they don't try to understand me or where where we're coming from as immigrants. But yes, I do practice a lot of grace. Well, I wish we could all be you, Paloma, because not all of us are as graceful as you. But I do have a question for you, Paloma. Um, What would you say to people who say, because this is something that comes up a lot, what would you say to somebody who says, I unfollowed that person, not because of their political views, but because their political views go so against my values. I think somehow it's affecting the mental health. Like maybe we don't know how to handle um, that type of, you know, friendship or family member. We we don't know how to deal with that type. But um, I don't know about values, but in terms of Republicans, uh, when it comes to values, I think it comes to immigration, maybe, mm-hmm. or what, what they believe in terms of... Um, like, where do you draw the line? Opinion. Yes. like, But, for, I mean, for me, in my personal point of view, it's just when it comes to values, and if I'm going to unfriend someone, it's just, it's just not good for my mental health. And, uh, yeah, I could see that, that side, Paloma, and then I could see the other side which is good for your mental health right I have um you know I I battled with the very racist uncle growing up right he's he's no longer alive so every time that I would check my Facebook sometimes his son would put some of these things up and um he's a a son of an immigrant right Colombian immigrant so for my mental health just because there is this big connection um, you know, with the family, I needed to block him. So I saw that as a self care. So maybe back to your question, Rebecca, is what would you say to someone, you know, when their political views are affecting my values, I think there's so much more values, um, family dynamics, past experiences, right? So it's not just that the values are being jeopardized. It's about it's so much deep rooted, right? It's, it's how do I protect myself? How do you know, I wish I maybe I could practice more grace, but that was something that I was not okay with, right? So um, and back to why was he why did he feel that was okay to all of a sudden put these really blatant, um, you know, racist things out in social media, and we've seen a lot more of that. Oh, thank you, Siomara. I, I, I was, I, I mean, I think there's no right or wrong answer. I think we're all just, you know, to our, to, to each, 
we each have different, like you said, it depends on values and family and there's, it's deep, it's a lot more deep rooted for others. So yeah, I just thought I'd ask. I think that's really interesting. That's something I hear a lot. Believe it or not, some of my Instagram friends would message me and would say that like, I want to follow this in person because I feel like I'm tired of watching what they, what they post, but they're a close friend of mine, but they're a cousin of mine. And so it's like, it, they feel like they hurt either way. And so I just feel like that's what the climate of what we're in the middle of right now, politically and not just with COVID and everything. You know, if you're getting triggered and affected and, and getting upset every time you go on, then then you got to take a look at maybe you do need to remove that. If it's not bugging you and, and you could tolerate it, why take it off if you're okay with it? Yeah, yeah. I think that ties right back into that self-care and how we we choose to exercise that. And if we're watching, you know, excessively bad news because they're just that's the reality that there is a lot of not so good things happening right now, remembering to filter some of that and compartmentalize your day. So if you've had a rough day and you, you know, you're not in the mood to watch the news, you don't have to watch the news. That's okay too. Yeah. There's um, other ways. Yes. Like- there's other ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watching, you know, um, I don't know if everyone knows about this, but there's a couple websites like the Good News Movement. You can follow them on Instagram too, and they only put positive news, and that's nice. And then, but it's it's real news and it's positive. And also, John Krasinski's um, Some Good News podcast also only talks about positive news, and he created that Some Good News um, channel after COVID because he felt like his mental health was deteriorating from all the negative media and all the, the um, impact of, of the news that was going on. So remember to check in with yourself and ask yourself, am I in the mood to, to listen to the news today? And if not, that's, that's okay too. Uh, some of the studies have shown that if you don't watch the news, um, I mean, that if you do watch the news excessively, that it does have an effect. And when we were talking about sleep disturbances earlier, um, McLean Hospital found that it has effects on sleep disturbances, causes insomnia, um, definitely increases anxiety or low mood and irritability. So we just want to make sure we're taking good care of ourselves and checking in before we expose ourselves to news and media. Yeah. And I think you, you were right on it is finding that balance, right? Because we don't want to, um, you know, limit ourselves. And a lot of people would argue, no, we need to be informed on everything that's going on in our community. And, and this is like empowering to the news is empowering, but you know, how much can the body and the mind take, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that balance, creating that balance. And And if they do watch the news, just make sure to find a a good, a good channel, right? Like a good resource where they tell the truth, not Facebook, don't go to Facebook, don't go to a good source. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, not just go to Facebook or don't get your news from Facebook or Instagram where it's just lies. <laughs> Did you guys catch that? Do not get your news from Facebook, <laughs> aka El Facebook. El Facebook. No. Or El Instagram. No, no, or no. Get a good source. Yes. <laughs> go to Snapchat. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, no Snapchat, no Facebook, no Insta. No, Fox. <laughs> no, no, Fox. Fox. no Well, no. depend, I guess. I guess. Whatever well, you want to believe in. Tolerance. Tolerance. <laughs> when no, did Paloma just... say Grace? Grace. 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 <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> How do we 
continue to move through that and create some normalcy for ourselves, some healing, um, protective barriers, you know, through job losses. And we're going to see, I, I don't know for sure, but we're going to start to see a bigger fallen economy, right? So those big heavy hitters, like how do we, how do we move through this? How does that affect immigration as well? So I did a little bit of research about the new presidency, the new president of Biden, uh, what he's promising. Um, he, as you guys know, the former president pretty much made a mess with immigration, building the wall and, you know, retaining all the, all the kids in, at the border, um, separating them from the families. So that, that has added a lot of stress, not, not only in immigration, but families too. You know, the, the impact of mental health and those kids and the families not knowing oh, yeah. where their kids are at. And what President Biden is um, offering now is working on a new immigration reform, uh, create, um, to re first of all, re reunify the families. Uh, that's the first thing um, that he's, he's trying to do. He, uh, he strongly believes that uh, families belong together and that's something I really like. And also um, create a human, um, like asylums, uh, for for immigrants, as you guys mm -hmm. know, like um, a bunch, um, le llaman? caravanas, like a bunch of caravanas que venían de, de El Salvador, Honduras. You guys know that they crossed tres fronteras, so you know they they were um, seeking political asylum, and and it was denied to them. Uh, so that's that's another thing that he's working on, like how to be fair with everyone and uh, welcome immigrants into the United States. So that's another- And that's even amongst on. us Latinos, that's very controversial, right? Like immigrant policies, immigration policies of like asylums, like, you know, why let more people in, you know, what are they going to do? Or uh, why are they letting those people in? They need to help us more here, you know, or, okay, maybe, yes, we're going to reunify those families, but then what about the kids here? Or, you know, so there's, there's still a lot of controversy, even within how we help each other out, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't expect everybody, just because you're an immigrant, you have to have these beliefs. But I, I, I do want to say that, that like, some people don't think that's a good idea to give asylum. You know, a lot of people don't think that's a good idea or to particular countries, right, that are wanting to come in here. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have the other side, which is we have to give asylum. Look right. at all the damage the U.S. has done on Latin yes. America, right? Yes. So, yes, thank you for explaining that controversy. Yeah. Yes, thank you. And my favorite, the DACA. So he he's finally. Given, <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite for sure. Um, he's given the opportunity to to. Um, immigrants like young kids that came at a like at a, at a young age um, to continue their education and further their education and, and continue with their dreams and goals um, so that's one of that's my favorite so that's something he actually stopped and he is allowing more people to apply this year oh, so that's a plus um, I, I know I, I have a friend who um, she is a DACA student and you know they pretty much um, she was really a f scared of being deported um, she shared with me that, you know, they have my, my, they have the, her information, address, and, and pretty much holding everything just for ICE to come and take her away and just deport her just because they have all that information. So when, when, when Biden won, um, she was relieved yeah. and she texted me and she's like, uh, I can breathe now. 
Mm-hmm. And that's something that came to my mind when you were sharing, going back to the events of 2020, you know, the, the word for me is like, I can breathe. Yeah. For, for many people, not just for immigrants. I think immigrants from all over the world. And um, yeah, so another thing that he wants to do is just restore the faith in immigration and the immigration system after all the mess from the last past four years. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people, you know, were like, again, you know, when we talked about like this, when we were talking before recording, like about just how the United States is built on slavery and we're also built on immigrants. You know, the, the indigenous people are the original people here. Right. So it, there's so many facets in our history that like we forget and we kind of create these like, I don't know, especially sometimes with politics. I feel like politics sometimes becomes like, who's your favorite football game? And only root for them, no matter what, (laughs) you know? Um, It becomes that versus understanding the facet of history. And immigration will always be a concern for the United States. You know, we talked a lot about what a heavy year 2020 was and how entering into 2021 there, there is a, there is some normalcy that's coming on. I think people feel a little more confident with like COVID. Like, what what is their level of, you know, um, protection that they want to do? Whether you you know are, are a mask wearer or not mask wearer, I think people overall are a little a little more at ease. You know, with with that, I I feel it. I don't have any stats on that, but I I feel it. You know. Um, respecting each other's like if somebody is really like hey I don't go out I don't do this I feel like there's more respect in that sense or like hey yeah I just do whatever I want okay cool you know I think families have gotten maybe not not because they want to but more comfortable with with you know virtual learning and and adapting and kids are so resilient they've adapted so much we've just persevered through so much and um and sometimes it's hard to look at those strengths, you know, when we're still in it. And and I like that, you, you know, you've been, you were honest, Simara. It, it is hard. It is hard. And it is hard for a lot of us. And when you're, especially when you're still in it and we're all still in it. So mm-hmm. thank you for, for acknowledging that and normalizing that. If you're experiencing any of these, these negative feelings, thoughts, behaviors, please do continue to seek out professional help, get in touch with the therapist, log on to um, our Instagram and look at our resources for low cost or free community service or contact your insurance company if you have that for mental health services as well. Thank you guys. Being a part of the Latinx community, we know resiliency is in our essence. Nuestra gente has overcome obstacles coming to a new country, learned the language and persevered through difficult life situations. Nuestra comunidad knows how to keep motivated through the struggles this pandemic has brought to us. So let's keep moving forward in our healing and resiliency as the worst part of this pandemic is over. Mi gente, we stand with you. Tu lucha es nuestra lucha y tu resistencia es nuestra resistencia.